This podcast is sponsored by Low No Drinker magazine, the number one UK magazine for the sober curious drinker, bringing you news, reviews and interviews from the people, places and brands leading the low and no alcohol revolution. As a Sober Rebel listener, use code SOBERREBEL15 to get 15% off any digital or print subscription from the Low No Drinker magazine for six whole months. Hello and welcome to the Sober Rebel podcast, the show where I talk to people about the benefits of sobriety and all that it's brought to them, because going sober isn't easy, but it does make life a lot easier. And today I'm talking to an old friend of mine, but this is a friend who's chosen to go sober and is just celebrating six months of sobriety. Harry, my goodness, I'm so pleased to be talking to you. And on this subject, I mean, who would have thought it? I wouldn't. Well, you know, sometimes they say, don't meet your heroes. Well, the last six months, you've been my sober hero. And it's it's a it's a genuine privilege. I'm gonna have to stop myself from tearing up because it's it does mean so very very much to me. This whole process and what it's done for me in my life. It's just I'm gonna if I if I hold it together for the full time that we're talking, I'd be very very pleased. But uh, no, it's it's wonderful. Oh my goodness! Oh, you made me tear up. So <laughs> I think we need to explain, don't we, to the listeners yes. that we went to school together. We did. Um, we we sort of we must have met when we were eleven. Then must I have been you, you. You were one year ahead of me. So when I started in year seven, I think you were in year eight. So no, no, I'm the same age as you, Harry. Oh, really? Stop <laughs> aging me. Oh, sorry. Oh, I do. Have... I was in the same music class as you. Oh wow! That How really can you forget that? Yes, yes. Saxophone. That's no. it. That's yeah, it, so definitely. both musicians both went to Newent School and uh yeah, it was fun, wasn't it? Although obviously I'm not as memorable as I thought I was. <laughs> no. <I'm... laughs> if I can ask you about your sobriety. So we've established we've known each other for a very, very long time. Yeah. And we've been Facebook friends. So we went to school together and stayed Facebook friends, but we haven't really spoken. So this is like a school reunion. Oh yeah. But just over a year ago, I started harping on about sobriety on my personal Facebook page, and I thought I was going to get on everybody's nerves. I'll have to talk about the fact that I have now read very deeply into your story, having spent uh, the last day listening to your whole audiobook in one sitting. I was very pleased to do that. But it, it seems that we've, we've both faced challenges with alcohol for a long time. And it goes back, the roots of it go back to school days for, for well, for most people, but certainly for me. And I have tried various ways of controlling getting on top of drinking many different times over the last 10 years and then all of a sudden in august of 2023 it just came to the point where had something had to be done it was that 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 moment or no moment you know me you've seen me on facebook i love a bit of facebook instagram all that social media stuff and just seeing your posts and seeing somebody who had such a similar background, upbringing, you know, a loving family and seeing what happened with you. And then I just decided, I'll, I'll get onto the details of what actually triggered me on that one particular day, which was August the 12th last year. 
I think it was you who suggested getting the Dry January app and counting the number of days. My yellow circle is 181 this morning, so um, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still using it. So that was the the start of taking back the control of my own destiny, I guess, or life. I'm not sure what the word is because one thing I've realised it's still very much a work in progress. Yeah, and. I feel like I'm sort of I'm standing in a doorway that I know I can walk through now. It's not looking out of a window that I'm trapped in anymore. When, when you said to me you wanted to talk about three areas of my life that have been changed by being sober, and it's been really tricky to ring fence things. Yeah, for me because it's a bit like a it's permeated everything in my life, and so now everything's got to change. Everything's got to be new. Yeah. And so I, I don't know how to define that yet because I don't know what it is. I don't know what awaits me because I've been drinking and having alcohol be, if not the reason for, but part of almost everything I've done in my whole adult life. And now it's not there anymore. So I've got to decide. And it's powerful, and isn't it's, it? It's really... It, 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 it is. It's also quite daunting because it, it, it gives you the, it's an out, isn't it? The excuse of, oh, I can't do that because of the drinking or I can't go there because I know that I won't be able to drive back or I can't, can't be bothered because I know I'll be hung over. That kind of excuse for everything. And what, one, <laughs> one thing that my, my wife did say to me about after about four months, we were having a discussion, shall we say, about something. And she said, you may be sober, Harry. You could still be a right asshole, <laughs> but that's it. You know, there's there's nowhere to hide, is there? Once you're honest about it, you can't use that as the excuse anymore. So it's it's all on you. It's all on me. So what was it then that kind of got you thinking on that day? Today's the day. Um, waking up in the living room on the floor, not really knowing why I was in there rather than on the sofa or something. And I just thought, you had a bit too much last night, didn't you? Even for you. And then I, t- I just got up and started pottering around and stuff and went to the local supermarket or something to buy some food. I came back and in front of me was a row of empty bottles. And it was what I had consumed the previous day. And Cheryl said to me, you've really got to sort something out, haven't you? And we sat down and we were sat in the garage actually, because it was by the rubbish bin. And I said, yeah, you're right. It's got to happen. She said, well, what's going to be different this time? Why should I give you that chance? I said, well, you won't know until you do. So if you give me the chance, I'll make sure that this is the time that it actually works. And I haven't drunk any alcohol since that moment. Oh, my God, and, I feel emotional. Just well done. And I've, I have given up before. I've had I've done dry January on a couple of occasions. Eight years ago, I did dry January that went into dry February, and I did three months. And so you define it as grey area drinking. I'd always just assumed that I was an alcoholic and that was it. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I, I, I'm not quite sure what my um, my drinking pronoun is yet. I know that that's, today, that's, yeah. a, that's, the, that's a new one for me to, to decide. But for some reason, this was the time that it worked. And that's six months ago, almost exactly. Well done. 
I cannot tell you how <laughs> pleased I am. Well, because we've had conversations through Facebook and every now yeah. and again, and maybe a bit of a chit chat. And and I honestly did get to the point with my personal social media where I thought I'm going to start really pissing people off here if I keep <laughs> going on about sobriety. Um, and I probably am, but I don't give a damn really. Yeah. Um, because of the conversation we're now having. But it's just hearing other people, isn't it? Just going, look, I've done it. Yeah. And it is hard, but it's not as hard as you think it is. But I think ultimately for me this time, that's the most frustrating thing is about how, not how easy it's been, but how differently it's been accepted by other people. Even even the difference between now and seven or eight years ago, people don't laugh at you now when you say things like, I'm sober. There's that glimmer of recognition in their eyes that they know that they've got issues with it too you get to your mid-40s and you think we've all been just been binge drinking since we were kids we've just woken up to the fact that it's not going to end well no and we have haven't we we've been binge drinking since we were kids so like the we grew up in the 90s 2000s and for women it was zoe ball and i suppose who were your heroes growing up Oh, it was slightly different for me being a, a classical musician. I was looking up to people like um, the musicians in my family, my brother and my cousins, and they were still six, seven years older than me, and they'd been through college, and they were now working, and it was just, boozing was part of the culture. It was the, we finished the show, we get down to the bar for last orders, or whatever it is, and then you you get on a session because it's half past ten, and you know you've got to get as many beers in as you can before it closes down so that sort of that need to be drinking a lot was just part of the culture it was just what you did and then going to university it was the same kind of thing all of my sort of what I would call best friendships over the years have somehow involved a lot of drinking being in the pub clubs you know all that kind of stuff and then it was the same when I I started working when I was in like in 2002 it was you know young-ish 20-something, moving to London for the first time after university and going to the all the pubs in London and Canary Wharf after work. And, and just for years, just lots and lots and lots of booze-related social life. Yeah. And it was, it's just, it was just everywhere, just part of everything. So you, you work in the financial sector, don't you? I do now. I've, after my three months of sobriety in 2000 and, 2016... No, no, before then, whenever it was when I did it. I'd just done three months sober and I went on an all-inclusive holiday in Mexico with wife and three kids. And I just spent all day at a swim-up bar and then went back to my room with the kids and slipped on some water and dislocated my right foot. I had spiral fractures in my leg and ended up in a Mexican hospital with surgery and a steel plate in my foot. That's how you did that. Oh, that's how I did that. So, so that period of sobriety didn't end very well because I got really, 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 really pissed and destroyed my leg. And then when we came back to the UK, I had some months off work. And then when I eventually had sort of rehabilitated my leg to the point where I could go back into the office, my heart wasn't in that job anymore. The promotion I'd been hoping for was delayed because I'd been off on the sick for six months. And then the opportunity came to basically be made redundant instead of getting back into work. So that's what I did. I took I took redundancy and 
decided to be a full-time stay-at-home parent instead of working in investment banking. And so that's when Daddy Daycare started for me and my family, 2016. And I spent five and a half years as a full-time dad to three children. And um, it was going so very well until 2020, when I had spent the most of 2019 coming on to, you'll discover soon is my favorite topic of Slimming World. And I, I joined Slimming World in 2019. And I, in that year, I managed to lose eight stone. That is amazing. And I was just about to go back to paid employment. In fact, I just had my first training session on March the 15th, I think it was, 2020, in my suit that now fitted again. But the job was at a school. And of course, then COVID happened and the job didn't happen. So then I spent another 18 months doing stay-at-home parenting. And homeschooling. Yes, but I I now know what a fronted adverbial is. So I feel very proud of having got through through lockdown. So so did you find... With like daddy daycare, you call it, did you find the same amount of pressure that we get as the mummy wine culture? Did you did you sort of have that after the school run? You wanted the glass of wine after? Was it normalised? It's it's tricky to, to, to know because being the guy in the woman's world, and I know it shouldn't be that, I know it shouldn't be the woman's world, but it is 95% of the people at the school gate are the mums, aren't they? So yeah. I wasn't I wasn't kind of in that group of people but um one thing i have discovered about my own drinking is i didn't need any excuse and i feel like i was probably the person that was persuading other people to be drinking rather than the other way around it's a tricky one because when you you realize that oh hang on i was the ringleader i was the one putting pressure on other people to be doing the drinking and sort of finding the excuse to get other people to do the drinking and so it's the pressure wasn't there from the outside but it facilitates it if you're the sort of person that wants to drink you can get it everywhere even in you know the local trampoline park there's a bar in the soft play center there was alcohol yeah i could see the look on your yeah that that must be london they don't do that in ross on y i tell you no (laughs) But no, but seriously, you you know, you know, the sort of the glasses of wine in a plastic cup with a foil on the lid, you could buy them in, in the soft play center. It, you know, it's everywhere. It was the, the but uh, no, even before I did full time parenting, it had got to the stage where drinking and planning drinking and making sure I could drink around looking after the kids was part of what I did to the point where. I knew that I had to bake in 15 minutes of time on the way home to be able to stop off at the shop to buy the wine that I was going to be drinking that evening. It's like and you planned so, it in, yeah. Yeah, like I said, it, it became the motivation and the the sort of the route to everything had to involve knowing where that was coming from. And the the honesty that you have to have ultimately is quite it's quite sad when you look at yourself and think, did I really spend that long lying about the things in the way that I did, not just to other people, but to yourself, that that's, you know, that's that's the the reason why you're motivated to do particular things was because of knowing where you were going to get your next drink from. It's quite sad, but that that's the past. And for the first time, I think maybe ever, I don't feel like I'm going to go back to it. 
I can't now think of any reason to do it. And um, six months is a long time, but I haven't yet gone through every single milestone and test of am I going to drink or not? So I've got a birthday coming up. That's one thing. What else? Uh, you know, other things like this Valentine's Day. But then I did have somewhat I would call of an epiphany when I realized that I've never needed an excuse to drink. I never needed a reason. I never needed the event to be the reason why I was drinking. That just made it easier and more acceptable for other people that I was drinking. Yeah. And so about, I don't know, six or eight weeks into this stint of sobriety, I had um, I had my annual appraisal at work and I was hoping this year for a, a promotion because I thought I'd done well and I'd filled all the forms in and I'd had all the right noises for work. And then I got my year-end appraisal and it was, yes, Harry, you're very good, but we haven't got the headcount to promote you. And so I was really miffed. And I was on the way to Lidl in Ledbury and Cheryl phoned up and said, I'm worried that you're going to go and buy some alcohol and I don't want you to do that because I know you're annoyed about work. And it suddenly dawned on me that why would I be triggered into drinking when I never needed a trigger before? And if I drank as a result of what had happened at work, then they would have beaten me and I wasn't in control of it. So I decided not to. I definitely wasn't going to have a drink. And so that was the sort of first, what I would call test of my resolve to to give in to the, oh, that thing happened. And if somebody says to me, why did you give up being sober? You could use that as the excuse. Oh, I fell off the wagon because of X. Yeah. And that seemed like a, that seemed like a good one, you know, being passed over for promotion, but I didn't do it. What was really solidified this whole particular journey for me was some weeks after that. Very sadly, my cousin passed away and he was one of the people who I had looked up to in those early boozing days. And he, like me, had suffered all his life with the need to drink far, far too much. And in the end, that was that was part of um, how he ended up passing away. And I decided to honour him, my cousin Giles, by not raising a glass to him, by oh. not giving in to the, the demon that was part of what beat him. And so I'm going to keep that up. I'm going to keep on doing that, not raising a glass to him. Because honestly, I think the world's better with me in it because I'm great. I think the world's better with you in it. I am so sorry. <laughs> so, so sorry about Giles. It's been horrible for a lot of people. But if I can make a difference to myself as a consequence of that, then I'm going to keep on doing it just for him. Yeah. If nobody else. Yeah. So how is how is Cheryl about you being sober then? I think she's still coming to terms with it. Like I said, you know, just, just realizing that there are things about me that she likes and dislikes that aren't related to the fact that I drink too much. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it, it's been it's been what 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 I've also been trying to not do is make her feel bad about the fact that she still has a drink. But she's always been in control of it. She'll have a couple of a couple of Jack Daniels or a glass of Prosecco or wine or whatever it is. And I've always admired the fact that she can do that. I was always very much at the point, well, why only have one or two? What's the point? Yeah. I think when you've got when you're saying to yourself, what's the point? I mean, I used to be the same. <laughs> like one? Why would I oh and I tried to moderate, but moderation and me don't mix. 
But the, the, I, what I found with the, the, the non-alcoholic substitutes for drinks is um, it was very helpful at the beginning. And it was actually something that you had said to me in a social media exchange, which was it's, having the non-alcoholic beer is better than drinking beer. So whilst you might feel like you're substituting one bad habit for another habit, it's better than drinking the booze. So yeah. don't think of it as like failing. But then I realized that I only needed to have one or two because why would you drink 10 non-alcoholic beers? You really wouldn't. You wouldn't, you know, mm. you just don't. So, so I've, I've, ironically, I've learned moderation in non-alcoholic beer. Yeah, well, you've learned moderation <laughs> in a substance that isn't addictive. That's the yes. difference. <laughs> it's true. This when is they true. take when they take out the addictive part of it, it becomes yeah. a lot easier to moderate. Isn't that funny? Yeah, this is like me just uh, blowing the proverbial smoke, Louise. I'm sorry if it sounds like that, but looking into the actual chemical reasons why you drink and what's happening inside your body and your brain, and realizing that. There is a reason why you do it. It's not just that sort of, oh, yeah, it's great. I'm drinking. But the actual chemical reactions that happen inside your body and your brain before, during and after. And what I had noticed was the looking forward to wine o'clock and then drinking something that isn't wine. You've almost had the enjoyment already because you've got to that point. You've achieved the thing, and now you're celebrating with a drink of what isn't beer, but you still have that sense of achievement because you've done the thing. You've achieved it, and now I'm celebrating, but I know I'm not going to feel like rough tomorrow or make bad choices because of drink. The bad choice is just on me. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I don't really bother. Dale, the other day, um, he got one of those bottles of I think it was Bellanco, so like the the non-alcoholic Prosecco and he's like, I'm gonna have a glass of this which he'd never drink Prosecco and he was trying to work out how to use the stopper <laughs> which because <laughs> we have never and I've never laughed so much I'm like next to the iron that is the most underused item in our house <laughs> he I, couldn't I, actually uh... put the stopper back on the bottle I must confess, I, I'm similarly averse to ironing. <laughs> no, not doing it. Not doing it. There's no need. Life's too short. It certainly is. I did go away and do my homework like you had asked. I have got three things that I would, I wanted to just try and sort of identify as what's happened that's been sort of meaningful. And it was... It was encapsulated by the phrase of one of your 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 other guests was the magic of the mundane, something like ah, that. But, yes. You know, I'm actually do, clearing out cupboards and emptying sheds and sorting through stuff that all the stuff that I would just oh, I'm not doing that. I'd rather be drinking or or being hungover. So I'm actually enjoying the things that I haven't been excited by. And I'm not saying I'm excited by clearing out the cupboards, but it just. But every time you do that, it it's almost like cleansing, the catharsis of getting rid of stuff, you know, throwing yeah. away the old and, and making space for something new. And I think that's a good analogy for how I'm I'm feeling about my life. I'm clearing away all the, the baggage of being drunk and making space for what could be. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it is the magic of the mundane, though, isn't it? And there's that yeah. condition, anhedonia, where your joy point has reduced due yeah. to regular alcohol consumption and so you do have that moment i don't know if you find it just after you stop drinking where it can feel a bit flat mm. 
and life feels a bit flat and then people judge sobriety on that first stage of sobriety well this is rubbish i don't know what to do this weekend Feeling out of cupboard get stuffed you know you really don't feel like it you're like <laughs> no, i just want no. i just want a glass of wine but then when you get past that point and that that joy point the hedonic point sort of comes back in and you get joy from stupid like stuff like cleaning yeah. out a cupboard you do you get that feeling of achievement i'm just looking out my window at the the playhouse in the garden which has been chock full of junk for months and then we had a wasp's nest and i just i just looked at it think i I don't want to go there i don't want to go but this week i have cleared it out emptied it done it made it look nice and every evening for the last three nights two of my kids have been in there playing and doing stuff it's not a direct link from me being sober, but it's just a consequence of the fact that I've just got off my backside and done something useful rather than just sitting, watching Netflix, drinking whatever is in the fridge. It's such so a waste I, of time, isn't it? And that sort of led me on to my second thing, which is being present, being there, being in the moment, but also being available. Uh, being available that might sound a bit nebulous, but the uh, the idea that... I don't have to say to my kids who say, oh, can we go to so-and-so or can we go and do this? No, because I know that by three o'clock, I won't be able to drive the car. Yeah. Or I won't be wanting to pick them up at nine o'clock because I'll have been drinking, so I won't want to go out and get them. But now I would just say, yeah, that's fine. That's cool. We'll go and do the thing. We'll, we'll get in the car. I know all over the Christmas period, I knew that we could go anywhere, do anything and see anyone because... I wouldn't have even thought about driving, you know, I could drive us home. I could drive us there. There's no, oh, how are we going to get back from whoever house we go to? Or how are we going to get back from that pub? It's like, we're going to do stuff. And to the people who've never been as far down the road of a drinker as I've been, it might sound like a really, really sad thing to be celebrating the fact that you know that you can drive home from somewhere. But it's a very big deal when you've spent 20 years making sure that you can drink rather than do the, the sensible thing. I think that most people would actually say that they always have one eye on, well, how am I going to get home? Because if you go out, you expect to drink. Even the most moderate drinker is going to make sure they have to get home or won't drive. And alcohol restricts you in so many ways, even if you're only having two glasses. And so it does, your thought process does revolve around alcohol. So how did you find Christmas then? So this is your first Christmas and you were what? five months sober then yeah yeah about five months um it was a real eye-opener because for the first time everybody else was drinking and I wasn't and it's quite an eye-opener to see everyone else in the state that I would have normally been in no nobody in particular but when you're drinking you think that you sound perfectly normal but (laughs) eventually you're really not and so it was not as challenging as I had thought it was going to be because I I didn't want to join in. I'd got past the point of needing to be drinking. And w- one of the helpful things about being so honest with everybody else around me about the fact of what I was doing by advertising on Facebook and constantly telling everybody is people weren't doing things like the, oh, go on, just have the one. Oh, go on, it's Christmas. To the point where on... Boxing Day, we were at the in-laws' house. And bless him, my father-in-law had very, very kindly got some non-alcoholic Peronis in. But when I was being offered this beer, which looks just like the real stuff, 
Cheryl got quite protective and said, Dad, what are you doing? You know he's not drinking. What on earth are you doing? He's like, it's all right. It's all right, love. It's all right. It's not alcoholic stuff. So everybody was looking out for me. So yeah. rather than having to fight against, you know, the room, they were all with me and had my back, which was really, really good. And have you found that with friends and family and things? Because I know you get you get loads of likes on your post. You get more than I do. I get about six. <laughs> um, it, it's been very helpful to be honest about it because anybody who isn't going to support you in this isn't the sort of person you need around you. Yeah. And um, I thought I'd developed a thick enough skin. Some little thing, that a comment somebody made on a, a social media post that it sort of sideswiped me for a day. And it was just a, a random conversation on a, a Facebook page about an old photograph of something from Nuance history. And the discussion was was engaged in some, some comments about something. And then somebody piped up with a comment that just hit me in the face, which was, what do you know? You should just go back to your sober gimmick. Oh, that's and I just, horrible. It is. It really is, isn't it? So I thought that's not the sort of energy I need. It, it wasn't a friend. It was you know, a, a public forum. So that sort of comment happened. So I thought, no, the idiots are still out there. Um, yeah. But, but they're, they're not people I need to be worried about, ultimately. You've got to remember that the people that matter do the right thing and the people that do the wrong thing don't matter. Exactly. And I mean, when you're going to post on social media <laughs> and, and like, you know, like I do frequently in such a public way as well, you do get idiots. You do get idiots. And it's just a case of, yeah, a couple of comments have, have upset me over the time. Somebody sort of saying something to me. And I just think, well, I'm doing the right thing here. And I'm voicing yeah. something that I think a lot of people need to hear about. Definitely. And th that's the, th the third area of my life, which has been enhanced. And I was, I was trying to think of a catchy way of describing it, but it's, it involves lots of S's. <laughs> so I don't know, my, my S rule, but it's it's the the symbiosis of sobriety and slimming world. <laughs> and my my consultant is called Susan Simpson. So <laughs> the, the group that I went to in Newent in the suburbs run by Simon. So there's lots of S's involved, but it's been so good to be honest about drinking in that environment because you don't get to be as big as I was without boozing some people can be a thin drunk some people can be a fat teetotaler but I was a fat drunk and it was hard in those groups to just not talk about one of the main reasons why I was overweight it's the fact that I had an extra thousand calories a day from drinking wine um so it doesn't matter what food it doesn't matter what food or how healthy your diet is if you're drinking that amount on top of it you're not going to be skinny so I have been since since I started the sober journey. I've been very honest in my group, and I've really enjoyed the fact that I can be open with them about the fact that I've stopped drinking. You you love your slimming world, and it loves you. You've lost how much weight have you lost now? On this particular j joining of Slim World, I've lost five stone. So amazing! But so it's a constant battle when you when you are. Uh, Without being blunt, when you're a fat, lazy alcoholic, things like lockdown weren't great for people who want to sit down and do nothing. It it, um, it ruined the eight stone I'd lost the last time I tried Slimming World, which was great. 2019. The way the way Slimming World works is you have what are called sins. That's the naughty things that you're only allowed a certain amount of. 
and I used all of my sins on alcohol. I could still lose weight by eating salad and healthy food, but the treats that people would normally reserve for a biscuit or piece of cake, mine was all saved up for alcohol. And then when I took that out, the weight just falls off, doesn't it? Since August, I've lost another four stones since I've stopped the drinking. And it is a massive weight loss aid. I mean, it really is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So were you going to Slimming World and sort of like, were you not telling people that you Um, how much you were drinking? Were you declaring that? I wasn't being I wasn't being honest if I'm if I'm honest now I wasn't fully honest then um it's it's easy to be honest about what's gone isn't it you can yeah. you can say it now and it's been nice to be able to open up and be honest about that with them and hopefully it will help somebody else in the room do the same thing because it's it's not an Alcoholics Anonymous group. It's a Slimming World group. The sort of sitting around in a circle and talking about the thing that brings you together, the common cause of being there. It's got a lot of things in common with, with AA, hasn't it? That that the, the, the common goal and the common people. So you can have a life without drinking. It doesn't have to be the centre of everything. Yeah, and it's it's a really difficult one as well when when it has built up over the years and been such an integral part of your life of your day how you plan it like you say calling at the shop on the way home and and for me it would be like this this voice in my head that I that would say around four five o'clock you've got to go to the shop you're going past the shop it was always the school run which is why I ask you about that because (laughs) working from home and or or like being a stay-at-home dad and I'm a stay-at-home mum you just don't have the same structure and routine. No. Did drinking ever creep into the daytime with you or was it a strict time that you would drink in the evening? It, uh, at the weekends, yeah, not during the working week. It's funny you should talk about that because I, I now realise that I may not have been drinking during those hours, but I was probably either still drunk or hung over from top-up drunk rather than anything else. So whilst you might think oh I'm not drinking during the day it's certainly still impacting at that time of the day but um I must admit uh, any excuse to go to the little little shop at the end of the road on the way home from you know the kids say oh can we go get some sweets daddy on the way home yeah of course yeah pretending that the reason why we're going to the shop is because they want ice cream but no it's not it's to buy a bottle of whatever it is and um that stopped one thing I do like about the app is when it tells you how much money you haven't spent yeah um, uh, I I need to take your advice, actually. I, I was hearing yesterday that you, you do something specific with the money that you've not spent on the drinking. And I, I haven't done that yet. I, I can see the total it has estimated that I've saved, but I haven't got that much money. Yeah, where's that where money it, gone? <laughs> where, is it, where is it? It's not there. But I suppose I don't have a big credit card bill at the end of the month. And... Exactly. I would sort of put aside... I mean, I suppose you don't want to get your nails done, really, do you? But I would put aside like certain amounts of money or I would say, well, I want those Uggs or something. You know, I would just I would justify things. So I had a bad back at the one time and normally I probably would have suffered through it. And instead I booked an osteopath's appointment and I booked regular massages to keep on top of it. And that would be something I just wouldn't have done. But yeah, I'm afraid the money does disappear into a whole if you don't actually spend it on something else, unless you want to get like a jar or something. Yeah. I was wondering when, when will I stop counting the days? I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm, you don't I'm enjoying ever need to stop. You, it's, no, it's I'm, enjoyable. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying counting them and watching it go up and up and up. So that's, uh, 
I don't count the days as in every day. I wouldn't be able to tell you what day I'm on. But every now and again, I go back into the app and I think, oh, I must be approaching like a round number now. So the other day I celebrated 400 days and that felt really big. And then I'm sure 500 is going to feel really big. And and you see, it's just, it's not that I'm, at one point I was counting the minutes and the hours and clicking my little teacup on the app to say that I was sober every day and I was living for it. And it was just such a big deal. It was like a little mountain I was climbing every day. And then it's just become more normal. And so as time goes on, I think everybody's different. I think that's the thing is that anybody who tries to, and there's a lot lot of sort of snobbery in the sober world as to how you should be doing it, probably the same in the slimming world, how you should be (laughs) doing it and shouldn't be doing it. And, And actually, as long as it works for you, that's all that matters. Yeah, and that's, I think that's the key, isn't it? If it works for you, it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing or, or thinking. I'm interested. One thing I haven't done a lot of thinking about is this is forever. And I remember a few years back, one of the biggest fears I had about stopping drinking was doing it for good. I think the, the thought that I'm never going to do it again. And now for the first time, I can't see myself going back to it. Um, I can't think of any reason why I would now. Um, and I think the thing is, is, is to remain confident like that. And just, it, it's not complacency. The thing to watch for is fading effect bias. And that's where our brain will start to, it's why women have more than one child. Because you forget actually how much it smarts the first time. You know, It's wow. just where, basically, it, it's where your brain will forget some of the the bad stuff and there's obviously a lot of alcohol messaging a lot of marketing out there and you start to you know if you're not careful you have to keep on top of it so just don't be I would say confident not complacent because I'm just as confident as you that I just don't see a reason why I would drink and I've had so many different things now happen since going sober things that have been really quite difficult to navigate and and as you have and it's like I look at it and I go, well, I just don't see, I don't see why nobody is getting that credit, particularly people who are going to be nasty to me. (laughs) Because I've had a couple of instances where somebody's been quite unkind. And I just think, well, you're not going to get the credit of taking my sobriety. But again, I'm not, I'm not complacent. However, I think I'm comfortable that I, I've sort of got a vision in my head of me on my deathbed going, well, the one thing I did brilliantly was be sober. And and that's like, it just feels like a life achievement. It feels like I'm creating a good impression for my kids as well. You know, I, I'm I'm sort of helping them. One thing I have recently been in my mind struggling with is the fact that so many of my very, very best friendships over my lifetime have involved a lot of drinking. I don't want to sort of diminish the fact that I've still got these very, very good friends that I did a lot of drinking with. And I actually asked his permission to talk about him, our friend from school who I used to do the drumming with in jazz band, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. He, 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 about three weeks after I stopped drinking, also stopped drinking himself. (gasps) And so I think he's about 20 days behind me in sobriety as well. It it got me thinking that if, if the guy that I spent most of my years between 18 and 22 boozing with has also kicked it as well, then we're obviously doing something right, aren't we? Exactly. And oh, I can't I can't believe it. That's a name from the past. I actually WhatsApped him yesterday to say, is it okay if I 
if I mentioned that to Louisa, because, you know, he, he and I spent a lot a lot of time. We were at school together. Then we were at uh, university together in, in South Wales. And, and since we've been in touch and rugby and stag do's and weddings and all sorts of all sorts of things in between, all, all occasions that involved a lot of drinking. And so to have sort of had the same almost epiphany at the same time in our mid 40s that really now's the time to stop the drinking. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It doesn't need to negate any friendships or things that you've built up or memories that you've got. It doesn't need to negate any of that. It's just that now you're building new experiences and new memories. And that is so freaky that you've both done it at the same time. Yeah. Maybe we're all growing up. Do you think we're all growing up and just. In in some ways. But isn't it funny? That was the. The mark of being a grown-up, wasn't it? It was the fact that you you started drinking. You spent all those early years thinking, "Well, oh, I'm going to grow up." And then I, I wonder, I wonder how differently life would have planned out without the drinking. But it's too late for that now. I've got to focus on what the future can bring, rather than what than what the past didn't. Yeah. Um, how are the kids about you? Sort of having gone oh, sober, have they noticed? Of course, they have. They're not stupid. Uh, Fifteen. Oh, they're 13, older now, aren't they? Yeah, 15, 13 and ten. The, yeah. the three of them, three of them now, and um, my, my youngest challenged me to go back to Slimming World. We had a bet that between then and her birthday, which was about six months, that I, I had to lose how much she weighed. And at that point, she weighed four stone eight pounds, and now I've lost five stone. I have, I've lost her weight since um, going back. So that's the first one. That's the first, the first milestone. And then she. Um, Give me a cuddle yesterday. She said, "Daddy, I can get my hand. I get my arms around you now." Oh! And that was a, that was a that was a nice moment. My next challenge is my the middle son. I won't give away his weight, but I'm going to lose his weight by his birthday, which is October. Even the little things with them are just doing things, not making the excuse. Um, and they all say that Sunday dinner tastes better now because I'm making it without the uh, glass of wine for the chef. Yeah. And you still enjoy cooking? Because I think I've gone off cooking now oh, no, that it's I, not I, an excuse to drink. I, d- I never liked it. And I still don't like it. But now now it's just the result is better. And you can taste it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, that's, that's just the difference is the result. The result is better. I might have to now start some new repertoire because they're bored of what I'm cooking. But uh, well, you've got no, time to do that now. And how are you filling your time? Because that must have been a lot of time you were drinking. So what are you doing instead? Oh, well, now I'm, I have a paid job as well to do. Quite a lot of my time is spent doing that. But uh, no, it, it's uh, clearing out the shed, clearing out the garage, do, you know, doing things. I don't really know yet. That's that's the, the challenge is to find things to do. I haven't um, been quite as ambitious as you had written books and done all sorts of things. But uh, I'm really, really, really good at Candy Crush. <laughs> <laughs> There's a series on Netflix called Louder Milk. Love it. Which is, did they did they write this show about me? Uh, it's, it's, it is brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? It's like there's so many aha moments in yeah. Lightermill. Yeah. Um, it's the nod between two people who you know are drinkers. I had a, a friend, um, a music, musical friend who I was in the National Youth Orchestra with long, 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 long time ago. And he's just come out of a month of alcohol rehabilitation clinic in part due to the fact that I had suggested that perhaps it was time for him to do it. That's um, amazing. Just came out yesterday. So I need to catch up with him to make sure it's all gone fine. But he said, I've even got the certificate. Show me, show me that. So 
it's the the nice feeling that it can permeate it can get out there and it can can help other people and it um it reminded me of a time at school actually when we were preparing for applying for university and our headmaster was giving people sort of mock interview practice and we we were talking about what we wanted out of this session and he said so what do you want to do when you grow up and I said well I want to help people and he said well that's not a job is it and I said well that's not what you asked me hopefully now I can help other people by just you know showing them that if I can do it honestly anyone can do it yeah and that's that's what I feel I just feel like I was the poster girl for wine o'clock <laughs> I mean, I may as well be the poster girl for sobriety now. So it's, it's, and it does permeate. It's like you will listen to somebody who has been there and done it more than you're going to listen to somebody telling you, now, do you think you should calm down? You know, you tend to sort of roll your eyes and ignore those people as as well intentioned as they are. They, They love you. But if somebody hasn't been there, they don't quite understand what it's like to quit an addictive habit. Yeah. Isn't it funny how, not doing something is harder than doing it. Yeah. Because we um, didn't grow up. We weren't we weren't like really boozy as teenagers or anything, were we particularly? Or were you? And I didn't know about no, it. No, 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 not particularly. But it, it builds up over time, doesn't it? And do you think the, it was like uni that for you that, that it got heavier? I think when I was 20, 20 was when my my dad died. And I never really addressed the the emotional fallout of that at the time because you get you get caught up in the things that are happening. You know, I um, finished university, started a job, bought a house, got married, had children. Yeah, it, life goes on, doesn't it? Yeah. But the the drink the drinking was always there. Yeah. Um, even even from that time, and so even even twenty five years nearly after it happened you you can see that as a sort of the root of the really really big drinking but it got to the point where the the problems that the drinking were being done to try and mask were worse than the problem that you were trying to mask yeah or i was trying to mask so it, it almost didn't ra- didn't really matter what the root cause of the drinking was the drinking was now the problem and it was stopping the drinking was going to solve the problem nothing else yeah. So, and of course, uh, I think that's probably why you feel like you've opened a door now and you're thinking, well, what now? Because this has been this anesthetic that you've used for years. Yeah. And it's like, right, okay. And they say they say that the best thing about sobriety is you get to feel all your feelings, and the worst thing about sobriety is you get to feel all your feelings. Yeah. And so it's then about processing those, but you can do it in a more objective way. The future, um, and I can I can I can say that now with a with a hope rather than just a it's more of the same. And I, I realise that I've I've been drunk enough times. I've done enough things drunk. I don't need to keep doing that. I don't need any more experiences that are punctuated by that. I'm going to look for the reasons for enjoying the thing for its own sake rather than because I can drink with it as well. And it's it's going to be a challenge because. I've always had the drinking as the prize, but now it's not anymore. You know, it, it's the actual enjoyment of whatever it is, not the, I don't even want to say it out loud anymore, just the boozing. It's just enough. Yeah. 
What would you go back and say to yourself on sort of day one with the hindsight of six months now? What what sort of piece of advice would you give yourself? Uh, about how to how to do things differently or do things the same. I th um, what has helped you? There's no one thing. The decision to, to do it, I made that decision and I knew that I was going to stick to it. I don't know why I knew, I just knew. And the same thing happened to me with, with smoking, actually. I'd smoked as a child and in the same way as the drinking, it did it largely secretly and not in front of a lot of people a lot of the time. And then just after my daughter was born, I stopped and cold turkey one day just stopped and I haven't touched one since. And so I knew it was within me to do that with something. And I decided that that's how I was going to approach giving up the drinking. And so I would just tell myself it's going to work this time. Yeah. And I, I can't honestly believe it's happened after 20, however many years of drinking, but honestly, probably 10 years knowing it was a ridiculously big problem to finally now say I've won and know that that's true. I, 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 I never thought I'd be able to say it, but now I can. That is amazing. I'm just beaming because it's, <laughs> I, I had, I had sort of like, you know, I'd secretly worried about you. I, I had been worried about you and you knew that it wasn't so secret. I had reached yeah. out to you a few times and checked in and, and, but I was really worried and, and yeah, to hear that, you're nailing it. Um, and I'm sure there were people out there that were worried about me. But I don't know about you. Did you hide it? Not very well. That's the thing about being morbidly obese. It's kind of an advert for excess, isn't it? And so <laughs> I just, I advertised my own failings and the fact that I had consumed too many calories of one sort or another. So I couldn't really deny it. I think some people would be surprised at the level of drinking that goes into becoming quite so overweight. And when you build up a tolerance to it, but I've recently got to the point of, a, you know, at the end of a particularly boozy middle-aged drinking session with some friends thinking, mm. I don't really feel anything. And I'd had probably two, three bottles or something or other, you know, what's the point of that, really? It's just, what is the point? And if you're um, counting sins as well, I mean, I try to well, ignore the calorie content of alcohol. I was like, well, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. Yes, yeah, so I, I was a bit like that. I used to be the sort of, well, the, there's no calories in broken biscuits. And if you're eating the food when you're stood by the fridge, there's no calories in those either, is there? So, no. So, but it, it's nice to be past all of that. And just to, to be honest with the people, I don't have to hide anything anymore because there's nothing to hide. Yeah. I, I kick myself now. I, I think to myself, why didn't you do this 10 years ago when you first wanted to? I know we can't regret. I, I, I don't think you were ready. I think the fact that it's worked this time, even though it was, even though it has been a a, a mission, but it's worked. And yeah. so, I don't think the environment was right either, because I don't think I think society's more, as you say, in the seven years that you did it last time to this time. Yeah, society seems more accepting of it. There's more alcohol-free options. There's more you can go into a bar now and yeah. find alcohol-free options. It's a, it's a bit like the growth of. I don't know, something like vegetarianism. 40 years ago, it was nowhere. And now it's just a given. There's, you know, there's vegan gluten-free options in a pub now. It's, it's, it's become the norm. 
you don't have to feel like some sort of social pariah for asking for a mocktail or if somebody laughs at you for not drinking, problem, not me. We said before, they're the ones with the problem, not me. It's nice to be able to do it in plain sight. I know that sounds silly, doesn't it? Being sober in plain sight and not feeling like it's... I had my my first um, going out with friends to a boozy event, my, my friend Kelly's 50th birthday party. And they all know that I'm on the wagon. I had the best night ever. And I decided that I was going to be their Uber driver. So I picked them up in my daddy wagon. I even brought them a bottle of Prosecco in the back so that they could have a drink on the way to the nightclub. And then when we got there and um, I had a bottle of non-alcoholic wine, which one of them bought for me, which I had over the evening. And then, would you believe it, I actually even got up and did some disco dancing at the end of the night. And I don't normally do that sort of thing and, and shake my booty but um it was nice to nice to do that and that's the sort of cliche is that you need to be drunk to dance no you um, don't need to be drunk so to dance you just need to be very liberated i had my i had my first dry dancing <laughs> <laughs> disco boogie as you just called it, was, it. It, it, it was i thought when did you turn into a dad <laughs> i mean disco oh, it's, boogie. It's, it's terrible isn't it? i am my father's son and my, my friend Lisa introduced me. She said, this is Harry. He's been sober for 100 days. That was, that was that master. And I was so pleased. And everyone was congratulating me on that. In a pub, congratulating me on the fact that I wasn't drinking. And it was, like you said, that wouldn't have happened seven years ago. People would have just laughed at you. It's the future. I think it's the future. What do your kids think about drinking? Have they got attitudes towards it? They don't see a lot of it. My eldest being 15 is now sort of he's at the age that I was when it starts becoming part of what goes on. But I think he and his generation don't have it. It's not the reason for doing things. You know, they they have fun in other ways. I know that they will have seen the change in me since stopping drinking. And hopefully that's enough of an advert for them to not start doing it themselves. But uh, And sure yeah, it is. It's that living advert, isn't it? I feel like my my three-year-old won't remember it's nice but my 12-year-old did see the downside to drinking did see the squabbling and yeah. the silly silly fights that's the thing that I'm sort of gutted about but I'm also pleased that she witnessed because yeah. it shows her look people aren't the same what you asked me about how we did at Christmas it's it's funny to see the change in people isn't it between a sober person and the drunk version of them and realizing that 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 was me yeah and now now I'm the sober version of me all the time so it's still a work in progress but it's work that I'm enjoying doing and that's the that's the difference you're enjoying it and how are you feeling now because you've lost so much weight well that the, the, the the tricky thing is is that is it just down to sobriety? Is it down to losing weight? Or is it both? It, like I said, it's the symbiosis of Slimming World and sobriety that's done it for me. I was very, very overweight. Even things like doing up my shoelaces was hard, going up and down stairs. And now it's not. It's becoming easier and easier and easier. I have to pinch myself that I'm not going to go and drink because it became so habitual to me. End of end, end of work, end of this, whatever. And now, now I'm just not doing it, but I'm, I'm getting to the point now where I've got to do the new things. I've got to somehow have a new plan. I don't know what the plan is. I need a plan. Yeah. What do you think it could be then? Have you got any ideas as to what could be next for you? 
I don't know. I'm going to go and do some piano practice after this. I haven't done that for a long time. I'd like to get back to something something musical, even if it's joining a local choir or a local orchestra, that kind of something, something like that. Yeah, and exactly. Music is that. I mean, I haven't played either. Yeah, maybe going and doing something, something that gets a bit of adrenaline going and a little yeah. bit of nerves and standing on a stage. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Should we do something um, together? Yeah, let's uh, let, let's get the old band back together. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you still have a saxophone? I do, and Charlotte broke it. But I don't know. I just feel that need to get that adrenaline. Kind of, yeah. And I'm never, ever going to throw myself off a cliff right of a plane because I'm not into that much adrenaline. I did a bungee jump in Australia with my mum and my sister just after my dad passed away. And tell you what, I'll do a bungee jump if you get your saxophone out. I, I, that's a deal. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say if I do one, which was going to be no way. <laughs> no, no, no. Watching Louder Milk was interesting for me because it's it's about the, the people still coming together. I did try once, actually. I did try AA once, but I got to the point where it said, you've got to go and apologize to everybody for all the things that you've done wrong. And I thought, this is too long. I can't. <laughs> I, can't. <laughs> I haven't got time for that. I haven't got time for all that. So, no, but it was, uh, um, I think I might start trying to save the money, do something with it. It's definitely about having those like mini goals, isn't it? Maybe like getting back on stage or doing something like that. Yeah. And I know my mini goals were things like, well, I'll write a book. Now I'll record the audio book. Now I'll, and, and genuinely people must watch me and think she's got this master plan. I really don't. I just do <laughs> not handle boredom very well. So I just like another idea will spark and another idea. And so, yeah, I, I don't know where this is taking me. I've got no idea. I don't think I ever sat there and thought, right, I've got this sober time now. What am I going to do with it? It's more that like a breadcrumb trail has opened up in front of me and I've got out of my own way. And I half wonder if that's why as a teenager I would get on stage and I would play instruments and things like that. And I stopped doing it in my 20s once I started to drink. Yeah. I didn't see the opportunities. I didn't want them. Interesting you should say that because I do, I do like performing. And being on a stage and having somebody give you a round of applause at the end of the thing you're doing, it's nice, isn't it? Isn't it a good feeling? It's like real people... life social media. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> affirmation in person, isn't it? Um, and I think that's why people get so addicted to the the likes button, you know, how many people have liked it, because it's just like applause for 2024, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody who's listening to this, maybe sober curious on the fence, you know, in that phase that we, we've both been at, dreading day one, thinking, this is how can I do this forever? This is terrifying. Is there a piece of advice you'd give somebody? You've really got to focus on what you're gaining, not what you're giving up. The drunk person I was just wasted so much, just wasted so much time. And I'm very, very lucky, very lucky that I've managed to still be here to change it because it's not a given that you're going to wake up tomorrow it really isn't and so i wouldn't waste another day on it just get on with it now N not the i'll do it in dry january or i'll start after my birthday or i wait to do it now just put it down do it now uh, that's a fantastic way to finish. I'm just so pleased to have seen you again. 
Yeah. It's been like a school reunion just with lots of people listening in. It is yeah. lovely to hear you so happy and so well. And that's brilliant advice. Just do it now. Thank you so much, Harry. No problem. And as always, if you want to find out more about myself, you can follow me on Instagram at Stepping Into Sobriety, or you can head to my website, louisaevans.com, where you'll find lots of useful links, including a link to my audiobook, Becoming a Sober Rebel. So thank you so much for joining us today, and I'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.